G'day everyone and welcome to Unbox Your Gift. I am super excited because the, my guest today, our guest today is such an amazing human being. His personality has captivated me, which is why I wanted him eagerly on this podcast to share his work with you. His name is Greg Quick. He's an astronomer, but before becoming an astronomer, get this, he was into marine biology, got bored of that, went into the world of pearl diving, became a mechanic, started a mechanics business, one day decided to buy a telescope, and Astro Tours was born in 1995. And since then, Greg has been on the ABC, BBC, doing corporate tours, school tours, talking everything about stargazing, how the world is aligned. And we are so excited because he's really the definition of how he's taken a passion and made that into a profession. So Greg Quick, welcome to Unbox Your Gift. Oh, thanks Rita, what a pleasure. Oh, the pleasure's all mine, let me tell you, mate. Now, I have to start from the very beginning. I know you started off as a marine biologist and it kind of went along with that. You bought a telescope back in the day when you had a mechanic shop. What made you buy a telescope? Oh, look, I was just really curious about everything in my life. And, um, uh, you know, I guess, I guess there was a real progression towards buying a telescope. And, and a lot of that involved living my life under the stars. Oh. And there was some stuff I started figuring out. And, you know, I, I guess I spent too many nights in a swag under the stars and, and decided I had to find out more about it. So you had an interest in stars even before you bought the telescope? Oh, for sure. I mean, telescopes come long after you get an interest in stars. People who go out and buy a telescope and think they're going to get into astronomy, it doesn't work that way because <laughs> you don't find anything in a telescope if you just buy one. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me, I mean, were you, had you studied astronomy prior to this? Oh, look, I guess I've always just been curious about everything in my life and... Um, I, you know, I study things by watching them, by immersing myself in them. So, no, I'd never been and formally studied it, if that's what you're asking. Okay. All right. So then how did you get the, like, what happened for you to get this insight of maybe I should do something like take people on tours of the stars? Like, what led to that? Rita, I was pushed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By who? Oh, everybody around me, you know, basically, I guess one day I started talking about stars to people and to, just to some mates. And I thought I was saying stuff that everybody else had figured out too. Mm -hmm. And basically they hadn't figured it out and they told me I should keep talking. So, you know, gradually that kind of morphed into me talking to more people. And, you know, after I'd bought a telescope, some of the schools found out I had it. One of the local resorts found out I had it and they asked me to do events for them. And, you know, great. I just started gradually talking to people about the stuff that I'd figured out in my own life, you know, the own realisations that I'd had, which were personal realisations. Mm. And like I said, I thought everybody had figured that stuff out, but they hadn't and they wanted me to keep talking and here I am, you know, two and a half decades later, wow. still talking about it for a living. So this is really interesting, uh, Greg, because... The other professions that you had been, a mechanic, marine biologist, you know, you kind of, they wore off on you. The interest kind of faded. 
How is it that in two decades, the love of stars, what's been keeping you still <laughs> Well, Rita, none of those things are faded, I can tell you. I'm oh. still just passionate about everything as I have been all the time. It's just that, you know, everybody sees me doing stars. They think, oh, he's just into stars, that's all. But, mm. no, no, I just, you know, I still fix my own motorbikes and... And, you know, I have to tell you, too, I didn't qualify as a marine biologist. So, you know, let's just put that one in there for a start. But um, you know, I've always been a keen diver. You know, I love that marine environment. I surf. Uh, I kite. There's, you know, going snorkeling and, and diving has been a part of my life since I was 14. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, getting that qualification as a marine biologist, I think my daughter's going to do that before I do. <laughs> so... But in terms of making it a profession, it was astronomy that you've now, you know, it's, it's you've made it into a full-time, well, not full-time, but that's how your income is being generated. And that's where your focus is. I mean, the other ones are more like hobbies. Would that be correct? Well. No. I, I guess so. I, I don't think I've ever had a hobby. I think I've just done things in my life. And just about everything I've done in my life, I've done because I wanted to do it. And somehow I've been able to make a living out of just about everything I've done. You know, I raced solo bikes and, and sidecars on the speedway. I made a living out of building engines for people while I was doing that. And, and you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't have the time for doing that sort of stuff anymore. But, you know, everything I've done in my life, I was a mechanic because I wanted to be a mechanic. I love rebuilding a V8 Mac and putting it out on the road and having it pull three trailers on, in a road train and know that I've put that thing together in a way that it's going to be able to achieve that. So, you know, I did those things because I wanted to, not because, you know, oh, I've got to go and get a job or anything like that. So everything for me in, in my life has been because that was the next thing for me to do. And, and doing the stars is just that next thing as well. It just seems to have gone on a bit longer than most other things I've done. I love that. And so I, I'm curious to know, because I've grown up in the schooling curriculum system, and I'm grateful for that. But one thing with the schooling system is that you're, you need to do certain things, English, math, science, history, geography, whatever, and you have yep. to follow through. And so the, the way you've lived your life was just to do whatever you love. How did that come to pass? I mean, how did you get out of that conditioning? Well, I went through the same system as well. You know, I did, did my... 12 years of school and, and did maths and physics and um, chemistry and all that sort of crazy stuff. And, yeah. um, but I guess what I came to was that, you know, I could go and do that marine biology degree and I would have got a, a pat on the head and a gold star yeah. and, um, you know, been able to say, hey, I'm a marine biologist. But I don't know. I, I'm interested in things for their own sake rather than for, for needing to to get that qualification. And if I want to work in a field, like, you know, I went and became a pearl diver and that got me immersed in that marine environment and it let me do the things that I wanted to do underwater instead of having to, you know, fall into line with whatever research project or something that I just happened to get selected for. And, you know, it, it wasn't my way of doing things and going pearl diving and, and figuring out the stuff on my own. Well, that was my way of doing things. And yeah. I got paid for it. Wow, wow. So it's, I, I guess from what I'm assuming then, it's just decisions that you just saw, what did I, there was a pull towards what you love to do so much that it didn't, the fact that, you know, society needs you to get a degree, society needs you to get a gold star, you, that didn't yeah. bother you, that didn't kind of compel you to go in that path then. I didn't buy that story, Rita. Oh, I love I that. that. I mean, how did you, why did you not, 
I hate the fact that I bought into that. Like I really, because I yeah. think there's a lot of time wasted when you buy into someone else's ideal. Oh, I think you have to question everything. Yeah. You know? wow. Question everything. Is this, is this right for me? Um, you know, am I nurturing my soul in this, basically? Mm. I love that. Am I nurturing my soul? Yeah. Oh, that changes everything. That totally changes everything. <laughs> were you taught to nurture your soul from, were you parented that way? How did you find that? Oh, I think I kind of, I think it's something that I was born into really. Okay. I mean, as a kid, you know, there's certain things you have to do. You have to go to school. And, and I grew up in Southwest WA where you had to play football, whether you wanted to or not. And then you had to play cricket in the summer, whether you wanted to or not. Because, you know, there was only enough kids in the town to make a team. So if you didn't play, they didn't get a team. <laughs> so, and, you know, I wasn't really a footballer. They used to put me in the back pocket to keep me out of the way of, you know, of everyone. Because I couldn't run. It wasn't until I grew up to be full size that, you know, everything works really good now. But as a kid, I was pretty gangly and used to trip over my own feet. And, um, so, you know, there, there were a lot of things that I did because I had to. And I think I figured out at a fairly young age that, hey, okay, I have to fall in line with this. I have to do what my parents want me to do. I have to go through this school system. Yeah. And there's going to come a time when I get to decide what I'm going to do. And I knew that as a kid. I knew that there would come a time when I would have my freedom. And when I got my freedom, I, picked, I bought a motorbike and I was off. I was gone. Wow. Wow, that's beautiful. Okay, so you are one of the rare birds of our world. <laughs> You went against the grain and you did what you want. You did what your, what your soul needed for you to do. And I think what I love most about your story, Greg, is that I don't find, and I, and I could be wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong, I don't find that you were attached to any particular outcome. Like you were not attached that this had to happen or the mechanical business had to take, you know, make you millions of dollars or this star, Astro Tours, has to become a certain thing. You just take it as it comes and whatever happens, happens. Is that correct? Well, to me, I guess a lot of it's about getting out of your own way. Tell and me more about that. What do you mean by that? If you get out of your own way, then life will bring you what it needs to bring you. And then you have to respond to what it brings you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if life requires you to, to talk to people about stars, it'll provide that opportunity for you. And so how did you have to get out of your own way to fill Astro Tours to be what it is now two decades later? Well, I guess you've got to follow what's in your heart. Okay. And if you follow what's in your heart, then, then these things fall into place for you. Yeah. If you follow what you think somebody else thinks you should do, then, you know, those people who think you should do that probably don't even think that anyway. Mm. So you're following what you think they think <laughs> when, you know, what you think what they think is not even valid at all. <laughs> So, you know, if you follow what's in your heart and, and you know what's in your heart, you know, you can, you have that knowing. Mm. That's your place of knowing is from your heart. And if you do what's there, then, then everything's provided. Everything's there for you. And, you know, sometimes that means you haven't got anything because you don't need anything. And I've had that at plenty of times in my life. At other times, you know, the resources flow in to be able to achieve things. Like at the moment, you know, the people who are coming to see me for Astro Tours, there are more and more people. So, they're, they're supplying me with the resources. So what I'm doing, I'm buying more and more telescopes and I'm buying bigger and bigger telescopes. And 
that allows me to, to do even more powerful things for those people. And, you know, that's treasure in my life. I mean, I, I don't have many needs of my own, you know, a couple of surfboards and a couple of motorbikes and, and I'm a happy fella. And if I can go for a walk down the beach in the morning, that's just beautiful. And I, you know, I've got a veggie garden full of veggies and, and lots of beauty around me in, in the form of the natural environment. And that's all I need. But if I'm provided with resources, then I'm going to use them for, for getting to even more people. And, you know, putting me on TV these days has kind of allowed me to grow that even further. Yeah. So, so tell me about the tours. People come and you teach them specifically about the constellations, you know, the stars. Is that what happens? I take them on a journey. Okay. And I, I guess it's, I'm sharing the journey that, that I have taken and, and I'm still on myself. But, you know, there were some steps in that journey of my own. There were personal discoveries. Like, you know, I discovered that the earth was turning. Mm. And you know everybody out there knows that the Earth turns, but having a realization of the Earth turning is something completely different than that intellectual knowledge that we all get fed at school. You know, mm. we've seen it on TV, we read it in books, and and somebody at some stage told us that the Earth's round and the Earth turns, and we go, "Yep, file that one away, forget about it." Mm. But when I had that bodily realization in my own life, it was really powerful. And that's the sort of thing I started talking about with people, you know, two and a half decades ago that led me into to starting Astro Tours in 1995. Wow. And I still share those very simple truths with people, which, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. We, it's another one of the things we get sold as a story mm. is that, you know, the sun comes up and the sun goes down. Yeah. And when we say the sun comes up and the sun goes down, it's an act of denial of the earth turning. So, you know, the, the, even the language we use stops us from understanding what's really going on. So, you know, if we start talking about the earth as if it is turning, which, you know, requires a whole new thought process, and that's what I take people through on this, on the Astro Tours. So, you know, some people have even called it, you know, a type of meditation that I take people through and in, in tuning them into into what's actually going on, how Earth is moving through space and how you can see this for yourself and make it a reality in your life wow. and begin to live your life as if this is, is real. That's, a, that's very, um, what's the word? I guess my faith instincts are just increasing as you're talking because it's all of, I don't even know how to explain, I don't even know how to articulate this. It just heightens my awareness just by you talking about it. It's yeah, really, <laughs> that's what seems to happen. And if we get, yeah, yeah, and if we get, you know, like we had eighty-five people out on Astro Tours last night, and we got all of them, and they're all doing that same thing, and then they all go out, and they they carry that. And I have people come back to me, you know, three years later, eight years later, ten years later, and they'll say, they'll come back and they'll do another tour, and they say, hey, look, we haven't we've never looked at a sunset in the same way since we've since we talked to you. Wow. So, you know, I reckon over the last two and a half decades, I've talked to a hundred thousand people about this stuff and those people are out there and they're talking to other people about it. And, you know, they're, they're spreading it in the way that they know how to spread it. And, you know, they're also telling people to come back and see me. And a lot of those people do. Yes. So, yes. you know, it just yeah. gets more and more and more. More and more and more. So, so tell me, how long do the tours, the journeys go for? 
How long did they last for? It, I run it as a two-hour show. Okay. Um, we're just outside of, of Broome in the wild Kimberley region of Western Australia where I live. Right. We're just far enough out of town to be in the dark. Broome's this wonderful place that's got 300 clear nights a year, mm -hmm. which makes what I do viable. Mm. I mean, I run these tours on the south coast of Western Australia for four summers. I ran them on Rottnest Island off the coast of Perth for four summers. And, and that was in, in wet season here in Broome. We have a, a wet and a dry. So in our tropical wet season, I can't do any stargazing. Okay. Um, so I used to take these tours down south. But the thing is, down south, it's still too cold down there. Even in the summer, to be outside at night, it's like, whoa, mate, this is really interesting, but, you know, we've got to go home. And it's yeah. like, yeah, if, I, if you go home, I can too. Yeah. Whereas here, in you can be outside for a couple of hours. So you've got time to relax and really absorb this journey that, that, I, that I kind of set people up to have for themselves. So are there any animals that kind of bite you while you're out there? Like, is anything going to be bitten by any insects or anything? You have to be like ready for combat right. you've got to have your ninja swords out and you've got to fight off the kangaroos and you've got to stomp on the centipedes and uh. nothing like that no it's all good it's all i good. mean if you round out in that country every all of those creatures are going to run away from you so okay oh okay well, that, that puts my heart to rest because <laughs> yeah. i have to come and come back here otherwise oh, look, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure okay, we have had one or two people being bitten by centipede and, a, and an ant over the last 25 years. And, oh. and my partner, she got bitten by a scorpion out there once, but at least it was her and not somebody else. And oh. she's going to hate me if I say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, she won't. But. Oh, wow. Okay. So Astro Tours, now how did all of this, what I find amazing is, do you still, do you read books on astrology? How do you keep up your knowledge? Like, how are you finding out your information, how you bring the content? Is it just you staring and being immersed in, in the world? How are you actually well, finding out? It's an understanding of where we actually are. Um, and not only where we are, but where we're going. Okay. And I guess I have a very spatial awareness of that. Mm -hmm. You know, understanding not only where our planet's going, but where the other planets are moving to and how we're moving in relation to them is a lot of the stuff that I like tuning people into. And, you know, once you see it, it's really obvious. You know, all of the people we had out last night, I know they're going to go out again tonight and they're going to find Venus and they're going to find Jupiter. They're going to find Saturn and they're going to find Mars because all of those things are in the sky at the moment. And, and that's, that's a, a big part of my task is to set people up to be able to keep watching these things. And once you start watching them, they become a part of your life. Mm. And, you know, there's, you know, we talk about the cycle of the earth turning mm. and we talk about the cycle of the earth going around the sun. And these are visible things. You can, you, I mean, they're movements that are going on whether we have an awareness of them or not. Mm -hmm. And they are movements that we can choose to become aware of because we can see them. All we have to do is look and we can see this stuff going on. So, you know, rather than, you know, sure, I do read, but... It isn't what I've, I don't sort of read up all of the latest things and then go out and sprout it all to people. That's not me. Right. What I do is I show people what's there, what's really there. And that's, that's one of the reasons they pulled me in, the BBC pulled me in for this stargazing live show is that, you know, they got the likes of Brian Cox and the other academics, Chris Lintott and a few of those, uh, Dr. Lisa Harvey Smith. And, and these guys, they do all of the theory stuff and they're really good at that. They're career theory astrophysicists. 
but they pull me in because I'm the practical guy. I can actually show, you know, and I have. There's, there's some things in the sky that, I've, that Brian Cox has, has an awareness of, but he's never seen them. Wow. So it was my great pleasure to be able to show Brian some very special things in our southern sky for the first time in his life. Because I know where they are. I know where to point to them. I know, I know how they're moving in relation to each other. And, and that spatial awareness that I have is one that you cannot get in a university. Mm. So I now have astronomy students, astrophysicist graduates coming to me to learn the sky. Wow. It's great. It's just yes. awesome. I love it. Because, you know, these guys, they got all of that intellectual knowledge, yeah. but being able to apply that to the real sky is something different again. And, and it's my great pleasure to be able to share that with those people too. And it's, it's really coming down to then, Greg, it's coming down to you just being with the world as it is and just being totally immersed in its observation. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, I'm, an, I'm definitely an observer. I yeah. watch what's going on around me. I yeah. watch the shifts and changes. Mm. And I guess I've, I've perhaps noticed those things more than other people around me, that's all. So, you know, it's become my task to share those things that I've noticed with other people. And, you know, one of the most common comments I get at the end of a show is, why didn't anyone tell us this before? Because most of what I share is really simple stuff. Wow. And, you know, when you hear it, you'll go, of course. Yeah. But for some reason... We, you know, we live our lives often in denial of these things. And it's not our fault. It's not something that, that we, you know, it, it's like we have to come to that stage where we question these things that we've been told. Mm. And I guess that's my job is getting people to question these things. And, and I seem to be able to do it in ways where they go, oh, mm. and they get it. Yeah, yeah. So what's your mission, Greg? What do you want? What's your vision for all of this? What's your ultimate goal? Well, I guess we're all on this planet together. Mm. And if we, you know, begin to see that as a reality, you know, a tangible reality, not just some abstract concept. Mm. And if we, you know, if I can show people the directions of movement that we're making through space. And if we recognize that as humanity, we're all on this journey together. Mm. And I don't know, to me, I guess I see that with all of us working together, all the cultures and all the creeds and all the religions on the planet. Mm. If we could recognize that often when we disagree with something that somebody's saying, often it's just words. Mm. And the words get in the way of the real intention of the real meaning. So, you know, if we, I, I guess in my own simple way is to be able to show people a simple thing like the journey that we're on as on this planet traveling through space, then there's something about that that in my life literally gave me direction. You know, it sounds kind of funny that, you know, I'm talking about you get direction in your life because I'm talking about the direction that the earth's traveling in. Mm. And, that's what it's done for me. And it seems to do the same for other people who come out on my tour as well. So when you say direction, can you clarify what do you mean by that direction? I mean the direction that the earth is turning in right now. Okay. I mean the direction that the earth is going around the sun right now. Literally. And these are real 
tangible things. Okay. And they, you know, an understanding of these things have the ability to lift ourselves outside of ourselves. Because, mm. you know, let's face it, for most people, their world is within about 10 feet of themselves. Yes, yes, yes. So astronomy is this wonderful tool that allows you to look outside of yourself and to look beyond yourself. And, you know, there's something about, about that journey of ours travelling through space that, you know, once you bring it into your awareness, you just seem to see further and, mm. you know, consider bigger things than just, you know, your own potentially small life, which, you know, that's how I've experienced this journey myself. Okay. Okay. So it's interesting because right now you're in, um, you, in the beautiful, it's winter in Australia, but you're in this beautiful sun quench drinking because the sun's right beautifully just blazing behind you. Uh, and you're in the outdoors. You live a lifestyle that's very indicative of what you teach. I mean, do I, do we have to do what you do in order to really get in tune with the, with the land that we live, with the earth that we live? I mean, because really, because I've read about your habits. You go, you still go, um, you still go riding, you still go surfing, you do as a qigong and meditating. And, and you actually say you meditate with the rhythm of the moon cycle. Yeah. Do we need to do that in order to, to really like to understand the world and to offer a period of time? What you really need to do reader is follow what's in your heart. And everybody's going to do that in their own way because everyone is a unique individual. And certainly some of those things that I've, that I've made a, a part of my daily ritual, uh, you know, they're powerful in my life. And, and I think meditation is something that everybody will eventually come to in their own lives. Mm. And, and again, that's tuning into something that's, that's a deeper part of ourselves. Mm. And that deeper part of ourselves includes everything around us, which, you know, I'm talking about the stars, you know, the other worlds that are out there as well. Mm. You know, this world that we live in and the other worlds that we can see in the sky every night. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not, there's, there's no way that everybody has to do, do it the way that I'm doing it because everybody has their own journey and their own contribution to make. I mean, modern physics tells us that every atom in the universe is vital for the existence of every other atom in the universe. In other words, if one atom were to cease to exist, that means that the whole universe would cease to exist. Yeah. So to me, that means that every one of us is a vital part of that whole. And we all have a solemn responsibility to do that part that we're here to do. And if you start doing things that you think somebody else thinks you should be doing instead of doing what's in your heart, then the rest of us are going to lose from that. Mm. You know, we all need everybody out there. We all need each one of us to be doing the thing that we're supposed to be doing. And that, for me, you know, I guess you could say you, you need to follow what's in your heart or you need to follow your spirit or however you want to say that. You want to, you know, you follow your gut instinct or, you know, there are many ways of saying this, but I'm, I'm sure that you can get a grasp on, yeah. on yeah. where I'm coming from with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in, in this is really interesting. In what I find most interesting about yourself, Greg, is in the world of monetization, in the world of commercializing everything you haven't really i mean you could make a mozza out of what you've got but you've so for example let me take let me give you a take right now i just said to you 
you do surfing, qigong, meditation, writing. I mean, you could say there's a certain way of meditation. If you do the meditation that I teach, you will find bliss or you will find spiritual <laughs> awakening, right? Like I yeah. was, there was a yoga teacher uh, I watched a little while back and he was saying yoga has just been commercialized. You know, yeah. if you do this yoga, this retreat, you know, it's a, a practice that anyone should be available to anyone. But because of being commercialized, people have got to do it this way or that way and this heat or no heat or, and it's lost its meaning. And what I find interesting with you is that you're not actually proposing to do it in a certain way, which I love. You're just saying yeah. incline towards what you incline towards. I mean, have you ever been pushed towards making a more commercial, your work? It's not going to happen, Rita. <laughs> and, and, and why? Why is that? Well, I don't know. It's, I mean, we were talking about it earlier on. If you do what's in your heart, everything that you need is provided. <sighs> If you do what you think somebody else thinks you should do, then you're probably going to have, there's going to be a certain amount of struggle in your life because you'll know that there's something else that you're supposed to be doing. So, you know, we do jobs. Well, I, I mean, I say we because I've never done a job that I didn't like because I've always loved whatever I've done. I mean, if I'm washing the dishes, you make a good job of washing the dishes and you enjoy doing that. Yeah. You know, it's like the sages say, you know, before, enlightenment you chop wood and you carry water and after enlightenment you chop wood and you carry water yeah. Yeah. so there's, there's there is always the practical things in life to be done and if you do those things with joy you know even if you've got the most mon mundane job when i was mechanicing the first job in the morning was to sweep the floor mm. and if you swept the floor you did a good job of sweeping the floor and you know I, I was running some workshops and i had some guys come in and go oh no we don't swap the, sweep the floor the apprentice does that I said, in this workshop, you sweep the floor. And if they didn't like that, it was like, well, you know, <laughs> I wow. guess occasionally you say things that people don't like, but you get that. Wow. So how do you find then the joy in the mundane things? How do we find the, I don't know, is it ego that stops us from enjoying it? Oh, I've got no idea, Rita. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Because it's interesting because it's something as simplistic as sweeping the floor, washing the dishes, you find that there is a need for that. I mean, I just, I'm loving your philosophy of life. I'm loving how your take on everything is. is, there is a, look at those beautiful creatures around you. You got the crows in the background. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> You'll find that there is an element, there is a, um, a purpose, even for something as small as that, which. Absolutely. Yeah. Which, which then go into the stargazing. Yeah. There's even greater. So you're always finding purpose in whatever you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so just, you know, to enjoy whatever you're doing. And, you know, if, if you're in a job that isn't serving you, then go and find another one. I mean, that's, I guess that's what I've done in my life. I've always done things until it was time for me to go and do something else. And, and for some reason, you know, I started Astro Tours two and a half decades ago. And I guess that one's going to keep on going because, you know, it still provides me with enormous joy. Mm. And, and that joy comes from, from seeing somebody see Saturn in a telescope for the first time in their life. And that's, I can still remember that first joy that I had when I saw Saturn in a telescope. And it's just the most unbelievable thing. I mean, you see this other world that's out there with these impossibly perfect rings going around them. And I mean, incredibly, impossibly perfect. Wow. I'm constantly being accused, go away, close. <laughs> 
I'm constantly <laughs> being accused. Of... Living in the outback. <laughs> I have. They're gone now. That's good. <laughs> so, you know, I'm accused of putting a sticker on the front of my telescopes all the time. That's how yeah. perfect Saturn. So when you see somebody seeing that for the first time in their life and to be around them, there's something that sparkles and something that crackles in, in their aura. And it just, to be next to that is just, just incredible. It's just amazing. Wow. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty, pretty awesome. Obviously yeah. you're getting such, see, I know there are people going to be asking me this question, but how do you start something knowing that there is no guarantee of income? How do you take well, on that, that plunge? Well, you have a go. I mean, I started Astro Tours in 1995 and I started it because I just finished with another business and I didn't quite know what I was going to do. I had this telescope for probably about five years that I bought for myself with no idea that I'd be starting a business with it. And basically a lot of those mates who I'd been talking to about the stuff that I'd figured out, the ones who told me to keep talking, eventually they get, sort of gave me a bit of a shove and said, come on, get on with it. Mm. And it's like, what do you mean get on with it? Well, come on, you've got to keep sharing this stuff with people. You've got to you know, start setting it up as a business or something. Mm. Oh, maybe they're right. So I put out this little flyer around Broome. Within two weeks, I was out seven nights a week. Within those two weeks, I was getting repeat and referral business from people from Sydney, from Melbourne, from Perth. They'd gone home to, the, to their homes. They'd talked to the people there, said, you've got to go to Broome, you've got to go see this guy. And I guess the stuff I was sharing with them was stuff that had, is profound in my own life and sharing it with those people, it seemed to be just as profound for them. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. That's totally incredible. Just testament to your passion, really, because that's what's contagious. So within, you know, with, for that first year or so, I did. I worked seven nights a week, which is really silly. You just, <laughs> just drives you mad. <laughs> so then I dropped it back, um, you know, and I'd have a night off. And, you know, for the last 20 years, I've been working between four and six nights a week. Mm. And, uh, but, you know, that's that's from April through till October or November. And then the wet season comes in here and it shuts us down. And, and like I said, for those first few years, I'd, I'd go elsewhere and I'd run the wet season in other places where I thought it would work pretty good. But eventually the business grew so that I didn't have to anymore. So I could work those busy months here and I could have the rest of the time off. And you know, the wet season here in Broome is amazing. It's, our dry season here is when all the tourists come because we've got clear blue skies every day. It's about 33 degrees and the temperature drops at night, which is really nice too. Um, and so the tourists all come from the, sub, from the southern states because it's freezing and it's raining and it's drizzly and it's miserable. And so they all come here and they smile and sit on Cable Beach. And <laughs> so that's when, I, that's when the stars are clear too. And wow. that, so that's, when that's my busy time. Okay. And the wet season, all of those people go away. They all go home. So we get Broom back to ourselves. And, you know, a lot of us here in Broome, they love it when the tourists come because they, you know, they bring a freshness. They bring, um, you know, they contribute things and including money. Yeah. And in the, in the wet season, they all go away. So we get the place to ourselves. So we love it when they come and we love it when they go. Mm. So you know, enjoying Broome's wet season with its magical storms, um, you know, 
the lightning storms, the, the rain that comes. You know, we had something like 1.6 metres of rain this wet season. And, to, and it's not cold. So you're running around out in that rain and you're going and splashing around in the drains as they're, you know, as they're pouring through the bush. You end up walking through the bush in waist-deep water and there's frogs everywhere and all of the bush tucker starts growing and it's just absolutely amazing. So, you know, I get to enjoy that time and, yeah. and then the pressure off a little bit. Although, you know, these days I do writing and um, we're making TV shows for the BBC and the ABC. So, you know, there's, they're starting to cut into some of that wet season time, which, you know, is also a joy to be able to share that mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. with you know i think that first bbc series we we got eight million viewers wow something pretty crazy not really. too bad not too shabby <laughs> not too shabby <laughs> i do want to talk about the bbc and the abc uh, tv series that you have but i want to get just back to one back up on one last question that we just went over and that is that you said you didn't want to commercialize heavy and i get that and i respect you and i think that's fantastic i agree with you but i want to know what in your heart stops you from commercialising Astro Tours in a big way? What is it in your heart that stopped? I guess it's, a, it's an organic growth that Astro Tours has had so far. Mm. And like I said, I mean, I guess to a certain extent it is commercialised. I, I don't know, maybe I don't quite understand what commercialised is, but, you but know, it makes me a living. Yeah. You know, no, in terms of, so you could, for example, if you, if someone... If you had a business coach, for instance, they would probably tell you, you could replace yourself, train up a few people. They yeah. could do three, four tours a night and just not only you, you know, you can save yourself for maybe one or two, get more people doing that in the background. You just oversee the whole thing. And that way, you know, you kind of scale it some kind of way. You know, do you know what I mean? Like you would scale the work. Yeah. Does that... How many of me do you think I can find, Rita? Oh, none. None like you. <laughs> Sure. And that's been it, I guess. I mean, to, to have the experience that I've got under the sky, you can only have that by having that experience. And to be able to teach somebody that, you know, I mean, they're going to pick up bits of it and they're going to do it in their own style. And I do have people who come and work with me who do that. Mm -hmm. But it's still, you know, without the, the sheer time under the sky that I've had, it's... It's not as if you can just train somebody up because, you know, I'm, I'm not prepared to just train somebody up just to do a bit of what I do. Yeah. I'm really, you know, that's why I still run the shows myself because that's what, that's what people come to see. Mm. I mean, I've seen, you know, I'll go, I'll go and visit other astronomy shows whenever I have an opportunity. Um, <laughs> And, and see what other people do. And that's great because everyone does, it, does astronomy in their own way and everyone contributes to it in, the, in their own special way. But, you know, some of the ones I've gone to, I've been in and they've had a guide who had been trained to show people where Saturn was mm. and that was about all they knew, mm. which is okay. But isn't what I want to do. I want to give people that whole journey. Mm. I want to take them on that journey. Mm. And in order to be able to do that, I can't really teach somebody else how to do that by rote. Yeah. Because it needs to come from their own knowing. Yeah. Oh. And I'm totally open to that. I've got some guys working with me at the moment who are just some beautiful young people. And, mm. you know, and whether they stay with me for a little while or whether they stay with me for a long while, I'm not attached to that. 
And if they pick up what, I, what I've shown them and they take it out into the world and, and do something of their own with that, that's my joy as well. Because I guess the most powerful thing for me is to spread some of the messages that, that, I'm, that I'm giving with Astro Tours into the world. Mm. You know, it's almost like there's some of the things that I'm sharing are, I don't know, dare I say it, perhaps some of the next things for humanity to do. I mean, we've known that the Earth has been turning for, the, for at least 400 years now. Yeah. You know, we had Galileo, we had Copernicus, Kepler, yeah. Yeah. Bray. They're some of the guys who delivered us that intellectual knowledge 400 odd years ago. Yeah. We're still, we still only have that as intellectual knowledge. We're not practicalizing it into our life. And I guess that's what Astro Tours is all about, is actually bringing that knowledge down into the physicalness of our everyday lives instead of it having just being a piece of intellectual knowledge that we carry around in our heads. Oh, I love so it. That's the bigger task of Astro Tours is, is getting, is, you know, carrying on that work of Galileo. Oh, sure. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So yeah. tell me, Greg, how did BBC and ABC find out about you? Like, did they, did one of the executive producers come on Astro Tours? Yes. Oh! <laughs> really? Yes, that's exactly how it happened, Rita. One of the guys came out on tour on his travels around Australia and uh, he went home to his boss and said, we need this guy on the show. Why? And then I got an email from, from the executive producer of, of Stargazing Live, which is a BBC production that had been going for eight years. Right. Um, and he said, hello, my name's this and I run this show with Professor Brian Cox and we're looking for a practical astronomer to work alongside him what do you say and it was like uh wait a minute let me have a think about that <laughs> <laughs> so what's it like working on a tv series I mean is do you enjoy that I do I mean if I've got the opportunity to spread what I do yeah even further than I already do then mm -hmm. I'll do that Mm -hmm. And if that means learning how to work with that TV medium, then I'll do what I can to learn that. Okay. Because it's quite a different thing to, to, to do it on TV than it is to do it under a real sky. Mm. If I've got a real sky, I'm, I'm in my element. And, you know, and if I've got a live audience under a real sky, you know, I'm, I, I delight in taking people through that. Yeah. And, you know, you've got the real things. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to theorize about anything and, and I guess that's I don't do that theory stuff I leave that up to Brian and all those other guys they're the theorists I'm the practical guy I can show you what's there so for me to translate that, that to a television screen has been a big learning curve for me but to be able to do that with somebody like the BBC with their expertise I'm learning so much from them about how to do that and I just couldn't wish for anybody better in the whole world to be able to help me to, to share this stuff. Wow. And, yeah, they're just awesome. That's super. So, that's super. so basically what's happening with yourself now is you've also written a book uh, called Earth Turning Consciousness. What's that about? Earth Turning Consciousness, or with a tagline, um, an exercise in planetary awareness, is a response to the thousands of people who've come out on Astro Tours over the last two and a half decades who've asked me for a book on what I've shared with them. Oh. Because 
I pile a lot of information into people in a two-hour period, far more than you can possibly absorb. Mm. But there's something about that. If you put people into overwhelm, they, they learn at a deeper level. And they may think, oh, I can't remember anything that you told us. But it's not important to remember it all. But the feeling that those people get from that, the, the, the triggering that happens inside them from that is enough. Mm. But, you know, some people still want to reinforce that. And that's what the book is. The book takes you through a lot of the same journey that I'll take you through on a live performance. Okay. So it's a, it's a reinforcement, reinforcing tool. Uh, it's a workshop manual. I see it as a manual. You know, it's a guidebook. If you, if you, if you don't have the opportunity to come and see me in a live show, well, you know, now you've got the opportunity to see me on TV too with, with some <laughs> of the stuff that I've done. But, but the book is a way that you can actually take yourself through that process as well. Okay, beautiful. And if people are watching right now, Greg, and they're thinking, I'd love to go and part, be part of a tour, where should they be going? Well, if they go to my website, which is astrotours.net, mm -hmm. um, there's links there to all of the TV shows. We have a calendar of events on there, which tells you when all the live shows are happening in Broome. Right. Um, there's a stargazing tours page, which will tell you the best times to come in terms of the moon phases. Um, and, and lots of other goodies on there. There's links to all of the TV shows, including three stargazing live series that we've done so far, one for the BBC and two for the ABC. Uh, there's my own 10-part series that I've done with the ABC called A Stargazer's Guide to the Cosmos, which has also been turned into a one-hour special. So yeah. there's links to all of those which are on ABC iView. Mm -hmm. So you can go and watch them. Idea. Maybe I should do that too. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Greg. So I know definitely I want to come over at Tabroom uh, and just to be a part of that, because I know it, to be part of the world and to be part of stars is very, like I said before, it heightens your awareness of who you are, let alone of the world. It, yeah. different, it literally takes you to a different realm of understanding of the world. You've got it, Rita, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I would love to. Do you live close by where you teach? Uh, everywhere in Broome's about 10 minutes from everywhere else. And I guess I'm 20 minutes away from all of that. Okay. Okay. Do you ever get like, and I know probably you don't, but do you ever get tired of four nights, six nights a week of talking about it over and over again? Like that's well, uh, they're the stars. <laughs> it happens in a rhythm. It ha happens in a cycle. I mean, we talked about the moon cycle just briefly before and you know, as a pearl diver, my life was governed by the moon because in Broome we have these massive tides. But as an astronomer, it's equally as governed because, you know, there are times when it's easier to see the Milky Way and there's times when you can't see it at all. Yeah. And that time is now because we're just a couple of days away from a full moon. Wow. So over this full moon period, I'll get a few days off, which, you know, lets me recharge my batteries okay. um, and lets me come in fresh and, and it keeps me in tune with that moon cycle as well. Yeah. And not only that, you know, I'm flat out from April through till October and then I do other things as well. Yeah. I might jump on a motorbike and go and ride around the Himalayas or... Oh, nice, nice, know, nice. All sorts of crazy things like that. I love that. You know, Greg, we live in a society where um, a lot of gurus talk about hustling. Like, go, go, do, 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 more, more, more. Do you, are you a, would you see yourself as a hustler? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, because I wouldn't think you subscribe to that. 
Oh, not really sure. I don't even know what you mean by a hustler. So. <laughs> well, exactly right. But you know what I mean? It's just like there is a marketing term where in order to get ahead, in order to do well, in order to excel, in order to get the end goal, whatever the end goal is, you've got to do more, publish more, speak more, yeah. do more tours, for example, do more on social media, write more blogs, get your name out there, more, keep going, keep going, keep going. And there's no stopping until you get there. And that's kind of the culture that I find that we are in because that's what's being spoken of. Just go, do, 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 more, 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 more. But whereas yeah. yourself and the gentleman that I interviewed before you, Ramis Kant, who is a permaculture expert and travels the world yep. permaculture, very similar to what you're doing, but you're in a one location. It's about just being very in tune and being very intentional rather than go, 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 go. Would that be true? I guess it's about balance, Rita. Mm. And, and certainly, you know, I run a website and I do some social media stuff, but I don't let it run my life. Mm. You know, it, it needs to be an organic thing for me. And, and there's, you know, there's coming a time when I probably need some people to help me with that stuff too. Mm -hmm. but, um, but it's certainly, it's still going to be done in the way that I want it to be done. And that, that, and I think it can happen. I think it can happen with great beauty. Okay. And I think beauty is one of is a very powerful and important wor word in yeah. this world. And if we look for beauty in everything that we do and everything that we interact with, then we're gonna we're gonna lift that experience for all of us. Could you give me an example of what you mean by that beauty when you say it can be done by beauty? Just for my uh, my own clarification. Sorry, we just had a big bit of wind just come in, and I missed yeah. what you asked there. Can you give me an indication or an under clarification of what you mean by every, that can be done by beauty in a beautiful way? Can you give me an example of what that means? Well, well, I, I guess I could just describe my morning so far. Yeah. Which, you know, my biggest challenge in the mornings is to find a pair of shorts and remember where I left them. <laughs> so that... <laughs> And, the, you know, we've got some fairly cool mornings at the moment in Broome. So, you know, I have to find an old jacket to put on too. And I wander out the front door and I wander into the bush and, and it's about a 20-minute walk over onto the beach. And I get over there and the, the east wind's blowing at the moment and the, and the ocean is just flat, which is not much good for surfing, but, um, you know, it's still beautiful nonetheless. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I found some barnacles on a shell midden there. And I just picked them up and I just marveled at the beauty of those, of those barnacles. They're incredibly flat on the bottom of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're really strong. And you can imagine if you trot on them, they'd cut your feet to pieces. Mm. And then I had a thought of how did they get here onto the top of the sand dune? Mm. Who put them on top of the sand dune? Mm. You know, and I imagine the people that were there in the beginning, that for, for, for many thousands of years, the Aboriginal people have, have built up these shell middens. And here I am sitting in this contemporary piece of history. Mm. And so to imagine that those people and the beauty that they encountered too, mm. and their appreciation of the seasons, of, of the changing of the stars, which they used also to indicate, you know, when the bush tucker was ripe, when the stingrays were fat and it was time to catch them, when it was time to go and hunt goanna. Mm. You know, all of these are seasonal indicators that, that we can see in the land, in the sea, and in the stars. And I guess 
bringing all of those th things together, I see is just the, the word that I must use is beautiful. Mm. It is just so beautiful. And just to allow our own part in that is, is what we're here to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. When you're talking, Greg, it's like it's melodious. It just kind of takes me to another world. It's like the waves of the ocean. It's just like <laughs> crashing. It's beautiful. My last question to you, Greg, as we wrap up and what is an incredible work that you're giving to the world and the way that you have been able to create a profession from it is even more remarkable because it stems from your passion, which is why it's been able to stand the test of time. How do you... Um, we, I don't know how often you may not go onto social media as many of our listeners do. So I'm talking YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and most of it is really about comparison, where someone's at in their life at the moment. How do you stop yourself or do you compare yourself to others? Oh, I, I guess I don't bother to compare myself with others. If you live your life by, you know, in the way that you think other people think you should live your life, then you're probably going to struggle. Um, in fact, you know, I guess if you think about what other people think about you, then that's probably going to lead you into trouble too. In fact, whatever anybody thinks of you, I would say is absolutely none of your business. Mm. Mm. If you're going to occupy yourself with thinking about what somebody else might be thinking about you, then I think there's probably better things you can do with your life. Like, you know, follow what's in your heart instead. And go stargazing. Well, yeah, get out there, lie under those stars and let those stars talk to you because they will. Oh, I love that. Oh, I yeah, that. that's all you have to do. I mean, you know, people look at me and they say, oh, you just know so many things about the stars. But my favourite thing to do is to go out and lie on my back under the stars and forget that I know anything. And that's when I really start to learn. Wow. Yeah. With that, Greg, I want to thank you so sincerely for giving us your time and telling us and showing us the journey of how you've turned something so beautiful, the love of stars, into a profession. So thank you so kindly. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. Very, very much, guys. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. I know it's been an absolute eye-opener for me, guys. And we'll catch you very soon on the next episode.